welcome to our York and Instigma Let's Talk Mental Health podcast. Here at York and Instigma, we're all people with personal experiences of mental ill health, and we're sharing our experiences to help challenge incorrect stereotypes, bust some myths, and of course, to end that stigma. Um, today, we're going to be talking things, all things mental health and pets. And my name is Emma, and I'm the coordinator here at York and Instigma. And today, I'm joined by three of our brilliant yes champions. I'm here with Lauren. Hello. Hazel. Hi. And Reese. Hello. So as I said, today we're going to be talking about mental health and pets. Um, so before we kick off into um, a discussion about that, just each um, briefly introduce ourselves. Um, so I'm Emma. I've struggled with my mental health since very early childhood. And in terms of pets, I've never, I mean, I had had a tank of goldfish when I was sort of a teenage, but I've never had what I would call real like pets, <laughs> like pets that you can hold and cuddle and stroke. Um, we just just haven't had. My parents had a couple of cats, which sadly both died when my mum was pregnant with me. So I've never been a pet owner, but I do enjoy um, seeing other people's pets and being around other people's pets. Um, so that's me. Lauren, how about you? Um... I've had um, some degree of mental health issues since I was about six or seven. Um, we do currently have a dog in the house. Yeah. Um, and we did previously have a dog, but he was 13 and he got put to sleep because he Aww. was, well, it was pretty much just old age. He was blind yeah. <laughs> and diabetic. Yeah. Okay, Lauren. Hazel, how about you? Um, I've got a cat currently. I've had cats most of my life and dogs most of my life as well um i don't have a dog currently because my partner said no but um, <laughs> <laughs> i also used to have chickens and all sorts because i grew up in a farming family so i suppose they're not really pets as such but i kind of counted my chickens as pets they had names and stuff so sort of yep. and in terms of your mental health is there anything you feel might be relevant for the context of this discussion if, if you want to share it um well my mental health got bad when I was a teenager, when I was a well, well when I was at university to be honest, and it's not got any better since. <laughs> but when I was a kid it wasn't too bad, so Yeah, thank you, Hazel. Uh Reese, how about you? Um hello, yes. Um so my mental health I first experienced my a mental health illness in my mid to late fifties and I'm still living with severe depression. I lived around, my mother had dogs forever, my mother had dogs for about 70, maybe 80 years. Wow, and okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And uh, I've now, we now have two Spaniels, um, Lucy, who's four, and Enya's, who is two. Oh, brilliant, thank you. And that's just reminded me, so I was, um, and this, this isn't great, I'm just going to put it, this is not positive. So when I was about two, I was attacked by an Alsatian. Um, so for me, I have been spent most of my life, and because of course not living with dogs or cats or any other animals, being quite scared of dogs. But actually, interestingly, it's been a couple of other people's. But as I've got, I don't know whether it's because I've got older or what. You know, my mental health has always been, you know, my word, terrible, still is. But I do find the pets and animals really quite comforting and soothing. But what for me has been some really trusted people in my life with their own pets has helped me you know I've got friends um I've got an amazing dog called Jasper it does help that Jasper seems to love me helps me to love him 
and also um, where I work, um, we've got a couple of um, staff members, we've got lots of staff members, let's be fair, we've got pets, but a couple of them who occasionally bring their, their dogs in. Um, so we've got three dogs that come in sometimes. We've got Marley, we've got Yogi, and we've got Mabel. And again, I have some love for them. And of course, Reese, knowing you with your dogs, um, you know, sometimes I, I've met them, various York and Stigma things we've done. So it helps me um, in that respect. But yeah, so I've got a bit of a funny one because I've been quite scared of dogs as well at, at, at times. But what I wanted to start off with is for me one of the biggest myths and stigmas I've heard around the subjects of people who are mentally unwell and pets and animals is that we're just not capable of looking after them. We possibly, you know, couldn't couldn't have an animal, we wouldn't treat it right, we wouldn't remember to feed it, we wouldn't remember to take it out for walks if it's a pet that needs walking, all of that kind of thing. So I'm really interested to hear from you three um, whether you've experienced any of that yourselves. I think for me, I've got a little bit of self-stigma because I do wonder, and I think it's completely unfounded. I know, in fact, I'm 100% sure if I did have a pet, I would treat it so well. I, I know I would, but there's just a little bit of me, I don't know why, that just kind of thinks, oh, I'd be a terrible pet owner. And I think that's my mental illness rather than actually what would be the reality. So I'm really keen um, to hear from the three of you. So, Lauren, have you ever had that kind of stigma around being a pet owner yourself? You know, what's your experience? I mean, mine's a bit weird because, well, I still live with my parents, mainly yep. because house prices are just, yeah. <laughs> um, there's not really a verb for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, at the moment, we, we actually foster dogs from um, Dogs for Sleep. Well, it's kind okay. of, it's called like a home from home scheme, which is not meant to be an advert, but <laughs> yeah. it kind of is. Um, <laughs> so basically, um, dogs just pay for everything and we just give them a home and a bit of love, yeah. which is what we can do. We've had a few dogs um, now and we've got, a moment we've got Milo um, and he's three and he's oh. lovely. Um, and this was, Lauren, just on that, so obviously to get a dog from Dogs Trust, there must be some sort of application process and procedure. Yeah. I'm just wondering, because I am totally naive to this. Yeah. Do they even ask you about the state of your mental health? I don't know what it's like if you apply to, to, to want a dog. Do, do they ask you that? And, and um, I If I remember rightly, they, they you got like a questionnaire and okay. there's like, like any other information we need to know. They do like a home visit and stuff. But yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything specific. Um, Which in a way is good, because they're yeah. not stigmatising. Obviously, you know, we, we want all animals to be in a, in a nice, loving home. So obviously they have to vet things and check mm. things. That's probably the wrong word to use the vet. There's a couple of meanings to that. <laughs> but, you know, check things out. Um, but I do think, in a way, is it because we don't want people to be excluded from having mm. pets for, you know, incorrect stereotypes and things. Um, mm. It sounds like a really good scheme that, that, that you're part of there. Yeah, it does help me because um, that um, means I have like a bit of responsibility and like a reason to get out of the house. So I can, like now I'm older, I can, not that old, like younger when we actually had our old old dog Oscar. Yeah. Um, I actually can just take him out by myself because there's like a lot of decent dogs around, around near me and yeah. I can just take him out for walks by myself. So it gives me a bit of headspace, which is nice. I think, Lauren, there will be, I'm, I'm sure, and I think there will be lots and lots of positive benefits to, to being a pet owner. So we'll definitely come back to, mm. to talk about that. And before we do, so Hazel, um, 
about you. So at the moment, what have you got? <laughs> I was going to say, I've totally forgotten what the question was. <laughs> uh, I've got a and cat. the stigma, you know, the, the, the main question is, do you feel, one, I don't know how many people know about your mental ill health, but have you ever experienced any kind of stigma around you're not capable of having a pet, you're not looking after it properly? Because I have witnessed, and I have to say a lot on social media, which obviously is not the best source of stuff, but I have seen on social media where somebody will put on Twitter that, you know, their dog's having to go into kennels for a week because they're struggling with their mental health. Is there, and the backlash that people can get, you, you know, you're not a sensible owner, you don't deserve to have a pet and all the rest of it. So I'm wondering if you've ever experienced any kind of stigma in, in that way um, or not? Yeah, I've seen a lot of it on social media as well, like um, this idea that if you... Because as, as people with mental illnesses, we do often struggle to look after ourselves. Yes. And there seems to be this idea that because we can't look at ourselves, we couldn't look after something else as well, because... I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I can see the logic there to a degree, I suppose, but it's not. Tr it's, in my experience, it's not true. Um... The main one I've had, to be honest, is I don't have kids. It turns out I can't have kids, but before I found out I couldn't have kids, I was fairly determined I wasn't going to have kids because I didn't feel like I'd be capable to look after them. Mm -hmm. And then people were like, well, how come you've got a pet then? <laughs> because obviously, obviously, it's the same level of care required for a baby and a cat. <laughs> And I know when I'm really mentally unwell, yeah, looking after myself, putting my needs first, self-care, all of that kind of thing, can completely go out the window or be a major effort to implement. But care and compassion for other people, is that really high on my priority list? Yes. So although I don't have a pet, I would feel terrible. Like I would not starve it, abandon it. I just wouldn't be able to do that. I'd do it to myself. But I just, yeah, I, so I do think, I guess, and let's face it, Statistically, you know, three quarters of the population have not experienced mental ill health. So we've got a big group of people who, who don't know what it's like to be us or, or similar to us. I can see how people might look at, oh my goodness, you can't, for example, you're not showering yourself, you're not getting out of bed, you're not whatever. How people might equate that with you're not capable of looking after a pet. But I think this is why we need these conversations, because people are making assumptions about not knowing us. So I think that's a really important point, Hazel. Um, yeah. Did you want to add anything else about that at the moment? Um, not at this point. I've got something I was going to say, but it'll probably be more relevant later. Okay. <laughs> no, thank you, Hazel. Um, so, Reese, have you experienced... You've got two dogs, two spaniels. Have you experienced any stigma for being a pet owner? I don't know how many people know about your mental ill health, for example, your, your family, your friends. You know, what's your experience? The well, part of it goes to the stigma. Well, if you can look after two dogs, you can work. Oh, okay. So you've experienced that. And you you look at it, and it's too tough. It'd be like saying to um, a, a person who's got two children and mental illness, "Well, you've got two children, you can work." Mm. Yeah. And then you just get it's strange. You then get stigma about people who don't understand dogs okay and they transfer that onto the owner can you explain a bit more about yeah that, it's more about so my so one of my dogs is hasn't 
can get is very nervous um, about people wearing hats, oh, and okay. she'll bark at people wearing hats. And you say, "Would well, you take off the hat? Take off the hat, and they look at you strange." Oh, okay. <laughs> and you say, "Well, it's actually just a behaviour. It's because we as humans have things we don't like either." Yeah, yeah. And you get that sort of treatment, or they say, "Oh, your dogs, your dogs." Um, vicious. Well, actually, all she's doing is protecting her own space, and that per- that the behaviour of the dog then gets transferred to the person, and the person then gets berated. Almost like you're a, a bad pet owner. Exactly. Like, oh my yeah. goodness. See, because I'm not in this world of pet. Like I don't know what happens when people go out walking their dogs and things. This is eye opening. As the, I guess as human beings, like you said, Reese. Moving on from what you said. We all make judgments, don't we, every day. We, we do, based on our own experiences, based on our environment, based on different things. But yeah, And I suppose I've done it myself. Uh, let's be fair, when I, because I am, for the most part, scared of dogs, especially all dogs that I don't know. If I'm going for a walk, and I do call it irresponsible dog owners, people dog off the lead, it's coming bounding, oh, he's being friendly. Well, do you know what? I don't want it to be friendly to me. And so I do, I can see how conflicts might occur but never once in my life have I then equated that to anybody's mental health or mental ill health so it's yeah it's eye-opening kind of hearing you speak Reese. and the, the, the other thing about it though is that mental ill health is a hidden hidden disease yeah and therefore people can't see it yes whereas um my, I call my two dogs the girls, so I'm just going to use the yeah. phrase the girls going yeah. forward. Yeah. Um, Lucy will know when I'm in a really bad place with my mental health. Yeah, I have heard that animals... Oh, and Lauren, I can see you really nodding to that. I think animals are really intuitive, aren't they? Yeah, so Lucy will come up and then she'll sit on the sofa with me and she'll just lie and sleep, which doesn't help me trying to stay awake in the afternoon. <laughs> but it's that feeling of bonding that you have when you have a dog. Yeah, and I think I think this would be a really great point to move on to the to the positives. I, th- I think it's so unfortunate that those uh, let's face it, we have to be realistic. Those stigmas do exist. There are people who think that people who are mentally ill shouldn't shouldn't be pet owners and all that kind of thing. But I suppose what we're trying to do today, obviously, three of you here are, as far as I can tell, very successful. If, if you are successful at being a pet is that the right phrase? I don't know. You own pets, the pets are alive, you're alive. To me, that's success. <laughs> <laughs> that is a low bar. <laughs> but I'm really interested to hear about what are the positive benefits you get and how does it help? Because I can imagine as well, and this is me and I'm coming from the no experience, I might get quite stressed as well. I don't know whether your pets are 100% positive for your mental health or rather, I can imagine extortionate vet bills, worrying about you know this, that, and the other. I can imagine it's not just this black and white, one hundred percent all or nothing thing. But um, Lauren, you were nodding quite a lot to what Reese was saying at the end there mm. about um, positive um, benefits. So, so what yeah. for you do you, is good for your mental health now yeah. having a pet? Like all the, f- um, well maybe not all the foster dogs we've had, because um, the first two were a bit of a. <laughs> Disaster blessing. Um, that no, no fault of their own. Um, but yeah, all of the foster dogs we've had, plus when we had Oscar, um, they can all pick up on emotions like, and like I said, I was having like a stinker of a day, mental health wise. They they know, they know. I'm just going to say, yeah. well done for not swearing there, Lauren. That, that's, that's a great achievement. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> For our listeners at home, I'm glaring them in direction. <laughs> but you did well. You did well there, Lauren. So yeah, the stinker of the day. Carry on. Um, basically, like the, whichever dog we have, they'll come and either like come and nudge me with the nose, or come and like just jump and sit on my lap or something. And I just—it's just sometimes it's just that. It's just nice to like have have somebody there. Somebody, something there, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah. It's just sometimes it's just nice, and I'm obviously going to bring the autism into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I can't separate the autism from myself, and and it all and intrinsically affects my affects my mental health. So, um, if I'm having like a day where I've had like a sensory overload or something, um, that helps as well. Um, it's quite calming just to sit and stroke the stroke the dog. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, I mean, this is probably uh, I'm going to mention pets dying. So sorry. Yeah. Um, that was going to be inevitable. Yeah. Um, when Oscar, when we had to put Oscar to sleep in 2018, um, that just so happened to coincide when I was um, I'll refer to it as the bad place. Yeah. Um, well, I um for anybody who may have been listening before. And especially, spe- especially with the workplace podcast we did, um, even though I had a particularly unfortunate experience um, uh, where um, I was um, discriminated against because I was honest about my mental health, um, and he was put to sleep right in the middle of that oh, period. So, and that hit me really hard, and that was as bad as like losing a family member. I can see Reese really nodding, and and when you said, I know you kind of apologised, said sorry to to bring up the loss of a pet, but I suppose statistically the lifespan of our pets compared to the lifespan of a human, like you said, Lauren, it is it is mm. inevitable. Um, Unless you've got a parrot. Oh, <laughs> I can always rely on Hazel for some top oh. tip, something that's going to live for oh, like a hundred years. They live like seventy years, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember exactly, but they live a long time. <laughs> And tortoises as well, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's all coming out now, is it? Yeah. Like, okay, I'm not a pet owner. I don't have okay. any tortoises, by the way. Just, just disclaimer. <laughs> Sorry, Mum. My idea of pet is cat, dog, rabbit, guinea pig. Obviously, there's a lot more pets out there. There's a lot more. Anybody listening, I'm not discriminating against. <laughs> um, Reese, you were nodding along quite a lot to what Lauren, especially when Lauren was saying about... Um, is it, um, Dogs tuning into emotions, stroking a dog for comfort. Um, you were nodding along a lot to that, Reese. Is there anything you want to add in terms of the emotional support, perhaps, or, or not, that you get from your... When I... When we, when I my, well, where we ended up with Lucy is I was finishing work, but I was mentally ill at work. So I was just finishing. My wife said, why don't you go along to our friends? They're, they're, they're having puppies. The dogs had puppies. Yeah. And... So I went along, meant to go for half an hour, and stayed stayed three hours, <laughs> surrounded by dogs, yeah. and it was such a wonderful experience. Oh. But also, dogs choose you; you don't choose dogs. Ah, okay. I can see nodding. See, Lauren's nodding to that. Lucy just came up and looked up at me, and then when I picked her up, oh. it was like my wife said it was love at first sight, oh. which has always remained. But I mean, Lucy's been really good for me. She's been a lifesaver because. I was so ill in 2019 and onwards that if it wasn't for Lucy, I would most probably be dead. I wouldn't be here. Yeah, 
she's been that therapeutic for me. Um, but I so just want to race because I know you, you're kind of glossing over there. <laughs> <laughs> like a really, that, that's amazing. You know, yeah. I just think of that stigma of oh, people who are mentally unwell shouldn't have a pet. And you're just saying, actually, having a pet for you mm. has been life-saving. Yeah. So that, mm. that's massive. And, mm. you know, that's something really positive to hear as well. So, yeah, I just wanted to... I know you were about yeah. to, like, rush on to the next <laughs> point. But that is just that's so important. But do carry on. But then, then so Lucy was my, is my dog, is my dog. Yeah. So it's um, with Lucy. So I was responsible for all her training. Ah, yeah. So um, spent... A small fortune with um, puppy training, kennel club training, gun dog trainers. But also during all that, we were early on, we decided that we'd get involved with Pets as Therapy. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. It's a national charity that um, has a large number of members and they visit, take their pets into university schools, care homes retirement homes and prisons and other stuff like establishments. So the pet therapy assessment is quite detailed and intense. So your dog gets fully checked out by a vet. They watch the behavior in the, in the vet itself, in the waiting room. But they also, you have to be able to touch your dog all over. They have to be able to react positively to loud sounds. So Lucy passed her test in November 2019, and then COVID struck. Oh, yeah. So we had a couple of years of, we started doing some volunteering, but it was limited. But as COVID was um, dropping, we then started going into hospitals. So we go into the the local um, children and adolescent mental health service inpatient unit every Tuesday afternoon, yeah. and the reaction of the young people and the, the staff is just amazing. And just a real quick story. So when we first started going, there was a young person who was in a wheelchair, and was really really struggling. And over the months, that young person got to know the girls and would play with them. First of all, it was really standoff and sit, the young person would leave. But as, as time went on, that young person started playing with the girls regularly, combing them, grooming them, feeding them, taking for walks within the, the hospital area. And it was like a major contribution to that young person's recovery. And to see that young person be able to move on with confidence. I know we were only a small part of it, but it's still, it's bringing something totally different into what is quite um, a, a strict routine because of helping people to recover. Yeah, thank you, Ruth. And you've covered quite a few things there. So there's a few things I wanted to pick up on. And one is, you know, there are studies that show that animals, you know, and nature in general are beneficial for our mental health, you know, and you're obviously personally experiencing that. You're, you know, you're saying your dog has effectively saved your life. I mean, that's a, a major, you know, um, a positive thing a, a, about being a pet owner. 
the stuff you're talking about with young people and visiting, I think that relationship, it, it does take time, I think, to build up relationships with animals. The one other thing I wanted to come back to was you said about being responsible for the training and that kind of thing. Is It is a commitment. It's a time commitment. It's a financial commitment. And we're certainly not saying get a pet, it'll cure mental illness. <laughs> Just want to make it clear and put that little disclaimer in. You know, it is a serious decision, isn't it? You know, whether it's becoming a pet owner or not, there's cost implications, there's lifestyle imp implications, you know, depending on what pet you have. If you've got to walk it, you know, you've got to think about how long you can leave something at home or not or what. So obviously, Reese, you're having absolutely fantastic um, experience with, with the girls, as you call them. Um, and But you did quite rightly mention you know, there's time commitment, there's cost co commitment. So, yes, we're having really positive experiences. For me, I get my positive experience kind of vicarious, vicariously through people I know. I've got um, friends who own um, two cats. And then also, ironically, a huge fish tank. Huge. Like, it's absolutely massive. Um, somehow, cats and fish seem to get on. <laughs> but, again, when I see them, it gives me benefit. And I could totally get with what... Um, Reese and, and Lauren, you were saying about animals being intuitive and coming up to you and knowing when you're not quite right and, and all of that kind of thing. So I totally get that. Um, Hazel, not heard from you for a while. How's your experience with your your cat and what benefits do you get? And don't say your cat hates you. Like you had that look about <laughs> you then. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's very strange as a cat owner sat amongst dog owners who are like, oh, my dog is so friendly to me. And it's like, I own a cat. You, have you seen the memes on the internet? They're not that far wrong. <laughs> now, um, my cat has been definitely a positive influence. Um, yeah. There have been times that have been extremely stressful. Like, yeah. you know, what do you do with your pet when you get hospitalised, for example? Yeah. That was not a fun experience. Um, yeah. <laughs> but my cat has been... I mean, she, to, to the point where she is listed on my crisis plan. That is oh, how, what yeah. level. And yeah. when my... a few Because she is... I think she's 14, so I've had a oh, wow. a while. That's getting on for a cat, isn't it? But yeah, it does say that. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. My, my, my Having Lauren told us the realities of being a pet owner is that sadly we lose our pet. Yeah, we, we, we lost um, the cat that I had as a child. We lost her a couple of years ago, and she was 22. Oh, wow, so that's really I, good. I do have a cat. habit of having cats last a very long time. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> so, yeah, my cat um, has been with me through a lot of my illness, if I'm yeah. honest. Uh, including when I was really ill with my eating disorder. And yep. we, she ended up being part of my treatment plan because the, the, the thing was when I fed her, I had to also eat. Oh, and that was like, nice. it was almost like, I don't know if people have heard of body doubling, but mm. body doubling is a thing that a lot of neurodivergent people do where it's a lot easier to do a thing if someone else is also doing it. Yes. Mm. So even though she's a cat and not a person, because she was also eating, it made it feel easier for me to do so. And there's other things as well. There's other things where, you know, I'll be doing X for her and it reminds me to do X for myself. I cannot yeah. think of an example off the top of my head, but there are definitely other yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really... Hey, I'm really interested in what you said about the crisis plan. Was that something you suggested or is that something that, be it the NHS or, or whatever service you were using for that plan or be it friends, family members, because obviously different people's crisis plan, you know, it doesn't have to be through a the NHS or an organisation, you can have one on your own, etc. Don't know your situation. So my question is, was it your suggestion to get your cat 
to be part of it? Or did something, because I'm really intrigued, because if somebody else suggested it, I think, good for them, you know, I just... Can you remember? Honestly, it's, also, it's on my official one, but yeah. I we've had that many iterations of it over the years, yeah. and it's been added to by pretty much every person that I've like, you know, like psychiatrists and care coordinators, etc. All all of them added to it. I've added to it. I cannot remember who added this bit specifically, yeah. but essentially, my cat has been like my one um, constant throughout that time period of my life. Okay. Because in that time period, I've lived in five different cities. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've yeah. been in multiple different relationships. Yeah. I was even homeless at one point. That is another thing. That was very stressful, being homeless with a pet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't for very long, luckily. Gosh. A charity managed to house me. But yes, it was um, yeah. not good. Uh, so, yeah, um, I can't remember what I was saying. I was just... <laughs> it, it, we were talking about your crisis plan. Oh, yes. And, and you said, because... It, and and then, sorry, you were then saying your cat has been the one constant through all of this change. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. basically she's on my crisis plan because no one else has ever stuck with me, I suppose. And there have been times when I have been... Well, basically, that, that's not sugarcoat, but there have been times where I've been so suicidal where she's the reason I didn't do it because yeah. I didn't want to leave her. Yeah. And especially when I've been living on my own at the time and it's like, well, no one's going to feed her and then she will also die. <laughs> and yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't do that. And Hazel, thank you for being so open and frank about that. Cause I think it's so important. You know, people realise the value. And Lauren and, and Reese, I could see you nodding to these things. And in a minute, we'll, we'll come to you, Reese. I just wanted to say as well, and I don't think we've got... Um, time for this on the podcast today and it sounds as though your experience was brief Hazel but I can only begin to imagine the stigma of being homeless and a pet owner I can only imagine from what I've seen and heard about how people who are mentally unwell don't deserve to have pets oh my goodness I dread to think what people might think about people being homeless and having pets and if you can't afford to have your own home why can you afford to have a pet and all this and oh I dread to think so I don't know if you ever experienced anything, or was it such a brief, a brief spell? Um, yeah, it was a very. I mean, I've been homeless a couple of times, um, yeah. but only once while having a pet. Yeah, wow. And it was a very, very brief spell. So I'm quite lucky that a charity managed to help me pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so I didn't experience it too much, but I see it a lot because you see an awful lot of homeless people with dogs, yes. more yeah. so than cats. Um, yeah. It does sometimes happen. Though. There's a there's a book written about a guy in London oh, who was with homeless Bob. with a cat. That's it, Bob. Yeah, yeah, I've forgotten the actual name of the book, but no, yes. Seen, yeah, the cat was called Bob. I remember that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it does happen. I know there's a lot of stigmas and judgments, and, yeah, it's not it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Reese, I think you wanted to come in on something that Hazel said earlier. Yes. Um, for me, because I, I'm going through severe depression, and I have cycles of... Uh, bad depression and severe depression and one of the things that keeps me alive is that I have to look after the girls it's and it's also in, in my crisis plan as well that it's it's a thing to always remember the girls will miss you terribly as well as they us, would, Reece, just going to add that in. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. As well as us. Uh, yeah, and as well as my wife, I must say, but my I wife's very really important as, as well. That, and it's not how, you know, uh, as someone who experiences, you know, really dark thoughts myself, suicidal thoughts, I, I can I can kind of relate to where you're coming mm. from. But I just wanted to point out, Reese, that it would not go unnoticed. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and have a major impact on us. <laughs> the, 
Because, yeah. And the thing about... Back to the topic of how amazing your dogs are. (laughs) So, so if if I didn't have the girls, I wouldn't get out of bed. Yeah. It's so important because I'm responsible for the morning dog walk. Yeah. Which means I have to get up. Because if I'm left, I can I can sleep 12, 14 hours without them. Can and I can I just ask you that on that, Reese? Mm. Because has there ever been because de- equally for me, I work full time. I'm contractually obliged to go to work. But I have to say, when I'm seriously mentally unwell, even though I know I need to be there at a certain time, it's not always as easy as like. Have you ever had the case where you? haven't got up and, and walked the girls. Because I can, you know, I've had it where I haven't gone to work, let's say. So, is it is it that, is it a guarant- 100% guarantee for you? I'm just really intrigued. But I guess because it's a live thing, whereas for me, in my head, when I'm really unwell, I'm like, doesn't matter if I go to work or not, nobody cares. You know, whereas obviously if I owned a living thing, I might be more motivated. But is it really motivation when you're mentally unwell? I'm, so, for me, I'm just really interested in your personal experience because with the best will in the world I can want to do stuff but when I'm really mentally unwell I, I can't but is it because I'm only trying to do it for me and not another living thing so just what are your thoughts on that Reese? and I know it's a complicated question <laughs> <laughs> um, the, with, for myself it'll be because I usually walk the dogs for an hour and a half in the morning um, uh, it's really important to me but I'll come back to that the yes, there's times where I can't, where it's a matter of just letting them out in the back garden, or maybe just wandering up to the park, or when I'm really truly bad because I've got physical limitations as well. Yeah. If my wife is able to, my wife will take them out for me and just leave me to sleep. Yeah. Um, but I do have those moments. But what's what really helps me is that I do mindfulness. And the thing about the girls is they're totally non-judgmental. Yes. And yeah. they are always in the present moment. Yeah. They're not rem- they're not um, reminiscing or they're not worrying about the future. They're always in the present moment, and that to me is great, especially because I can walk in the- with the dogs. I'm able to walk in nature. Yes. And I do a lot of the mindful walking nature, so I listen for. The, I can listen to the bird song. I can feel the wind. I can feel the rain. I can feel the cold. And you can just stand in a forest, and just let the world pass you by. And it's so calming and bringing down. And Reese, I just wanted to come in on that because really interesting what you said about walking and dogs. Because as somebody who doesn't own a dog, and again whether it's societal stigma or what but people walking on their own in parks can be labelled as weirdos I think the Covid lockdown um, for here obviously in England and York helped with some of that stigma in that respect because of course when we could only have our hour of exercise a day and all that way back when it became normalised to be out walking for just because you wanted to be outside so I, I love being outside just similar to what you know what you've said I really enjoy it but in a way there is some kind of strange stigma or maybe I perceive there to be that actually if you're not out walking that why 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 are you out walking that's that's odd that's a strange but why is that person over there like so it's really interesting oh Hazel go on I just wanted to say that I also felt that stigma and that's why I started doing this I can't remember the name of the thing but basically I started walking over people's dogs and going running over other people's dogs because it looked it meant I got less 
weird looks, especially yeah. if you go to like dog walking areas where everyone's yeah. got a dog and you're on your own, they give you weird looks. Yeah. Or maybe in my head, I don't know. Well, no, at least it's not just me. Thank you, Hazel. I feel validated. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Reese, you were going to say some more, but I just wanted to say, you know, that's a kind of the counter of, uh, of that, but you carry on. Uh, yeah, um, but with me, because I, I, I'm always trying to be in the present moment and not judgmental. If somebody is walking in the woods and we pass them, I usually always stop and say hello yeah. and have a conversation because prior to having the, uh, Lucy, I knew virtually nobody in our village. Yeah. But by having Lucy and going for a dog walk every morning, I've met a load of people in the village. Yeah, and I can see in Nodden. Nodden? <laughs> <laughs> I can see Lauren nodding along to that. Oh, cool, new name. <laughs> and it's, it's been through lockdown, it was amazing. Because well, let, let's categorise that. You're going to say something amazing right, about so it. Okay. Let's just okay. face it. So, so having Lucy... As somebody in who takes things very literally, lockdown was not amazing. Just <laughs> <laughs> two weeks worth. <laughs> Moving on, Reese, back to you. And then, Lauren, we've so not heard from you for a while, so we'll come back to you in a second. But, Reese, carry but on. But having... Because I was having to shield. I was oh, in that yeah. vulnerable group. Yes. So you, you, you don't want to meet people all the time. You don't want to touch anything. But I still had to take Lucy out, which meant that I got out an hour every day yeah. walking the dog. And it made such a difference rather than just being in the family room in the house. And isolating. I that probably extends potentially to, to your current day-to-day yeah. life as well in terms of that motivation um, to get out, I can well from yeah. what you've said as well. Yeah. The first thing in the morning. Yeah. I'm just keen because Lauren, we haven't heard from you for quite a while, and you have been nodding in agreement with some of the things that Reese has been saying, particularly when Reese was talking about non-judgment, and I think mm. that's something I can only relate to through other people's pets. But and whether I'm mentally unwell or, or not, I, and it's on a you know, am I ever not mentally unwell? I don't know, <laughs> but you know what I mean. More unwell than normal. I get a great deal of comfort from other people's pets, mm. you know, I, I really do. So, so do you want to add anything on to that? Um, I was kind of, I just start thinking while um, everyone else was speaking, nothing's too daft to stay alive for, regardless. Yeah. Obviously, pets are not daft, <laughs> but yeah, yeah um, responsibility, purpose, you give yeah. your purpose. Um, like, Milo in the morning will come into my bedroom and they'll like nudge me with his nose, and it's just like, yeah, it like makes me like get out of bed. I think as well, it makes me think of almost like unconditional love. Mm. Like, I mean, I live on my own as well, so I don't have people or pets. Yeah. So, and when I get home from work or been out or whatever, there isn't anybody, sort of, just isn't anybody or anything that's pleased to see me, greets me. There just isn't. I go home to an empty home, so I can imagine that actually it would boost my mental health. And I'm, I'm sure there's going to be people listening who well, go home to friends and family, and actually, they don't boost my mental health. They're not great to see me. Oh, my dog hates me, whatever. <laughs> Let's assume <laughs> it's all positive. <laughs> then actually, I just think, it, yeah, I, I, I can't... I'm struggling to see the negatives. You know, you've all spoken so positively about how it positively impacts on your mental health. Yep. So for you, Lauren, is there anything you want to add? Um... 
I don't, I don't think so. I mean, there's always a way, if you don't own a pet directly, like, well, pick up Reese Foster because it's too expensive for us to actually physically own a, an animal. Yeah. And also, Mum's friend lives quite close, and um, um, sometimes she has her daughter's dog as well, and um, her dog is obsessed with me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she has an actual obsession with me, because <laughs> if um, if I just happen to not go out with him, he'll just sit and go, at the gate, and it'll be like, Sorry. Oh, <laughs> but that must make you feel yeah. wanted and needed yeah. and all those kind of, you know, it's, yeah. it's nice to be wanted, isn't yeah. it? Let's face I love it. him back. So. Yeah. Hazel, is there anything you want to add um, in terms of the, the positives of being a, being a pet owner? Um, I don't know, really. I think it's just, I think, I think it's a bit different when you've got a cat to a dog. Yeah. Um, I'd love to have a dog, but. My partner's made it quite clear, and he's right, that <laughs> we don't have the money or time yeah. for a dog. A cat is a lot more independent, yeah. and, and I'm not saying they're, ch- they're, f- they're cheap or they're easy, because they're, they still work, but yeah. in comparison to a dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, there are a lot of positives. There, there are some drawbacks, like the money side of things, and mm. it can be quite stressful. And With a cat especially, they sometimes just decide to wander off. Oh, gosh. Which yeah. is always fun and games. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a very obedient cat though, so it's fine. She sits on command, she speaks on command. Oh, and basically, wow. this is wow. this is because I grew up on a farm around working dogs. Ah. I trained my cat. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're just. I think more than anything else, it is just having another living being in your vicinity that doesn't judge you and doesn't always need you to be putting on like an act like humans often do. And also, I don't know if this is similar to everyone else or, or this is different, but I just find animals easier to understand than people. Yes. People yeah. are stressful oh, and they're confusing <laughs> and it's so much energy to constantly try to interpret what the heck people are trying to communicate to me. And then my cat just, she's like four different meows and I know what they all mean. Um, <laughs> so it's and, easier. <laughs> and I think as well, I think Lauren, you were talking at the start about it being like a you know, your dogs being like family members, and Reese, you really vigorously nodded to that. But for me, honestly, like they're not my pets at all. But Jasper and Mabel, like I love them. I would be devastated if my friends said to me that something had happened to Jasper, and then Mabel is my manager's dog. And if they said that something had happened to me, I would genuinely, I would be devastated. I think I would be. And it seems, having never owned other than, you know, goldfish, which let's face it, you don't get too emotionally attached to, they don't last too long. I'm sure some people do. And in fact, one of them I did get very attached to. But it's something, I think it's something different when it's a pet you can touch and hold, whereas obviously with a goldfish I couldn't. But I would be... Yeah, if anything happened to... And I would, like, defend Jasper and Mabel. You know, I'm, I'm the kind of person who's scared of dogs. And I'm, like, Jasper and Mabel all the way. So it's just, like, <laughs> it's amazing how that connection... But I do think it's because I feel, rightly or wrongly, that they care about me, they think I'm a great person, they don't judge me, they're quite easily pleased, and they don't, you know, and they seem to... I think it's about acceptance, about being liked. Do you know what I mean? They seem happy in my company, I'm happy in their company. I think Hazel can totally relate to what you said about, you know, people can be complicated, difficult, and, and, and whatever. Um, is there anything you an- wanted to add on to that, Hazel? Uh, no, not I can think of. No. Uh, Reese, you look as though yeah. you want to say something. Um, the thing about when, when um, we first got Lucy as a puppy, we did recognise that at some point 
Lucy will pass on. But it's the, the, the positives of the unconditional love that you receive every day way outweighs the, the, the loss, the mental impact of a loss. Of, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so uh, what else I was going to say? Yes. And also, there's a quote from Winston Churchill who said, the more I know about people, the more and more I like my dog better. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> and that might be, unless somebody's got anything really burning to, to add on to, to the discussion, that could be a good place to end, Reese. But I will just check. Uh, Lauren, is there anything you want to add? No, all good for me. Hazel? No. Reese? No. Brilliant. In that case, all that's left for me to say is thank you to our listeners for listening. And of course, thank you to Lauren, to Hazel and to Reese for taking part today. Thank you.